Welcome to the Health and Wellness Show, everybody. Today is Friday, April 27th, 2018. My name is Jonathan. I'll be your host for today. Joining me in our virtual studio from all over the planet, we have Elliot, Doug, Tiffany, and Erica. Hey, guys. Hi. Hello. Hey. So today... Hello. Oh, there's Elliot. Awesome. Hello? Uh, <laughs> he's gone. He sounds like he's been assimilated oh. into the Borg. I got assimilated. <laughs> Can you hear me now? Yes. Yeah. Okay. I guess I only got assimilated for a second, so that's fine. <laughs> Thanks for Resistance joining us. Resistance wasn't so futile in your... <laughs> it was pretty crazy while it happened. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, yeah, we may have some AI interference today. Uh, we'll see how that goes. Yeah. yeah the yeah. transhumanists are on to us. Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, we want to talk about, I mean, I'm sure everybody's heard the term biohacking. It has different meanings for different people. Um, to some people, you know, taking nootropics and, and having bulletproof coffee is biohacking. And to other people, it's implanting microchips under your skin and um, all the way to like altering your brain chemistry and all sorts of stuff. Um, mm-hmm. basically generally referring to the, uh, the further integration of technology with, you know, with biology, um, and what that means for us and where people are kind of going with it and <clears throat> how it causes people to think about, you know, where we are, who we are, and mm-hmm. I guess kind of what we're worth. That's something that's on my mind too. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I guess it's, uh, it's hard to know, uh, where to start, um, I think, uh, let's start with biohacking. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. So, uh, biohacking, I guess, is basically just changing, you know, changing your biology to some end. It doesn't necessarily have to be technological, right? You guys can anything be counted as biohacking, like taking a medication or a supplement to doing cold baths. I mean, that's fairly benign compared to some extreme forms, but would that also be considered a biohack? I think so. Like, I think that's like the term biohacking, I mean, it's, it's, it's very loose, right? It's, I don't think it's yeah. like very well defined, but um, the way I think of biohacking usually is like how Dave Asprey kind of does everything. And he's always kind yeah. of like, okay, you know, hacking, you know, doing the cold therapy and like hacking your sleep to get better sleep and like, taking supplements to, you know, tweak out different areas of your biology, adjusting your diet, that kind of thing. Like, I mean, not so different than what we kind of talk about in the health and wellness section on SOT. Like, a lot of that kind of uh, stuff to kind of improve um, how we're living, I guess. Even Jack Cruz, right? Isn't he kind of like a a mitochondria, mitochondriac? biohack yeah. <laughs> but he uses like a lot of natural means yeah like i, yeah. I guess cold water is natural sunlight yeah. is natural sure i, th- I think that's yeah, why it's, it's so it's so vague like sorry Elliot. um i mean hacking specifically even the word hacking is is kind of vague you know obviously i think everybody knows that's been adopted from uh from the technology world, from computer hacking, but, uh, yeah. you know, it's, it's so broad. I mean, it really could be anything, uh, you know, so it could be altering your, your, what you do normally 
with natural means like using sunlight, but then are you really hacking? Aren't you just kind of doing what you're supposed to do? You know, (laughs) (laughs) but um, I I think hacking implies like changing the core, the nature of whatever you're messing with. I'm sorry, Elliot, go ahead, please. No, I I cut you off. I may be on a little bit of a lag. Um, I was just going to say it kind of like a fashionable term, but what it basically means is just trying to be healthy. Um, and all of the different things that people do to try and be healthy. So just basic things that you wouldn't think of as hacking, um, mm. but people have just kind of labeled it as hacking, just like eating a healthy diet or, you know, just basic things. Um, and it's not something that people would generally use in conversation, but it's kind of a term like that. Um mm. But, but that's, that's, yeah. that's the one end of the spectrum. Forms. <laughs> yeah, there's there's a spectrum with this. Yeah. <laughs> so there's yeah. the average people who just sort of are interested in health and wellness, and then there's a whole other world of people who are not necessarily interested in that. <laughs> yeah, so I think that <clears throat> I think the transition into that is uh, we kind of see with like um, the uh, the step counters that originated. Uh, when did that start getting popular? Like late nineties, oh, early two thousands. Not yeah. the not the Fitbit, but the, before that, there were like little the pedometers. Devices. Pedometers, yeah. Yeah. So you're, that's kind of the advent, of not maybe not the advent, but one of, indication of we're starting to use technology with our physiology more to monitor things on the yeah. average Joe level. Not talking about Olympic athletes who are wider up to electrodes. It's like a special class. You know, this is a case where everybody's starting to do it. And then of course mm-hmm. you have the uh, the fit play where now it's integrating, it's actually reading data from your body and then analyzing it and using computational power to give you information back about yourself. I think that concept is cool. Um, but you know, it's, it, it's hard when you come up against like, should you learn how to do that naturally? Or is there times where some sort of assistance like that is appropriate? And then on the extreme end of things, you can integrate it completely and completely rely on it to the point where you either wear the Fitbit all the time, including when you're sleeping. And a lot of people do that. Um, or you actually have a, a chip or some kind of a, uh, you know, small device implanted under your skin. That way it's just part of you now. You know? yeah. well, would like a pacemaker be considered that? A biohack? Totally. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Pacemaker is biohacking. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Or core, uh, cochlear implants. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Or the vagal nerve stimulator. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess let's uh, let's discuss where like where do we have a problem? Because I don't think anybody here really has a problem (laughs) with pacemakers, right? So where do you begin to have a problem with with some of these things? For me, it's when like you you can make yourself healthier so that you don't need a pacemaker. But when you're once you're at the point that you do need one, you kind of need one, right? Otherwise, your your heart's going to fail and you're going to die. But in the other cases, it's like when you need data or knowledge or information, you have the ability to find that, analyze it, make yourself smarter and learn more. And so they, I think for me, the problem comes in a place when you're relying on that for something that you could otherwise do yourself. Yeah. Mm. That's a good distinction. Like in the matrix, when they learn how to be a karate master, yeah. <laughs> on the download. which yeah. would be really cool. It would be cool. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. So a lot of this sounds really cool, but do you want? There are it? no shortcuts really in life. There's no free lunches, and once you start robbing yourself of experience and work 
and applying knowledge of what you learn to your own life, that's where I think the line gets crossed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's a good uh, a, a good distinction actually, because I think with um, what you're seeing with a lot of this whole transhumanist movement is kind of for me seems to be crossing that line. It's like it's not people who are just trying to you know maximize their health or deal with some kind of health challenge or physical issue and are using technology to kind of um, get past that. It kind of crosses the line into people being like, I'm going to make myself weird or like into like a superhuman in some way and like trying to play God in a certain way. Mm -hmm. Um, I I think that's where things really start to kind of go off the rails for me. anyway. Yeah. Well, that is, there's like different camps in this world too, right? So there's um, kind of the new punks, I guess. I think they have the same mentality and drive and and motivation that the punks had in the 80s. Um, And so it's it's kind of, yeah, or just being standing out and like you don't really know like how to do that. So you just do the weirdest thing you can. Yeah. You know, I, I went through that totally in high school, like red hair, earrings, lip rings, the whole nine. Mm-hmm. Uh, mascara. Yeah. <laughs> I never wore mascara. But um, anyway, I identify with that idea of like wanting to stand out and be different somehow. But then there's also very powerful, very wealthy people who are into the idea of steering the course of humanity. And that's where like playing God kind of comes into, comes into play, I think. Um, But I would pose the idea that playing God is not a hundred percent negative all the time. Uh, Because there's, uh, (laughs) because (laughs) there's, um, I think there's some merit to the idea of integrating that you are. And again, we're getting into theology and philosophy here. It's, we don't need to go off for the whole show on this, but um, the idea that you are also part of God. And, you know, if, if this thing, God, this intelligence or whatever it might be is kind of in and part of and makes up everything. And you are also part of that. And understanding that I, th- I think helps you understand more your place in reality in the world. And, and like it, it takes away that sense of like, you know, I'm praying to a, a guy with a beard in the clouds um, kind of where you're, you're, you're part of this experience. So in my mind, playing, playing God, if you really dissect it out is, is different than, than understanding your place in the universe. But feeling that way, feeling like you might have some agency or some power over your situation, I don't think is always bad. But when your ego takes over, it, well, yeah, it's yeah, a transitionary yeah. point, yeah. And that's the thing, right? Like the, the way I see most of this transhumanist kind of thing is more like it, it is kind of it, – it is ego-based. And I think like a, a lot of what's driving it is actually kind of more of a religious impulse mm-hmm. in, in some cases yeah. anyway. I mean, maybe we should, before getting into this, like talk about, you know, the singularity and, sure. you know, what that's all about and stuff. Yeah. And before even that, why don't we talk about some of these things that people are doing? <laughs> like the guy <laughs> like who the crazy planted stuff? magnets into his ears mm-hmm. so he could listen to music or whatever mm-hmm. without wearing headphones. So he put these yeah. magnets into, I forget what that part of your ear is called. Uh, bump. Yeah, that little bump right before your canal starts. Yeah, the tragus. So he put magnets in there and he has to wear, I don't know how old this article was, he had to wear a, magne- a coil around his neck to pick up, this. pick up the sound. But yeah. 
the sound was in mono. It wasn't even in stereo. And yeah. the farther away from his ear, the further, well, the quieter the sound was. So it wasn't really effective. So he had to come up and with a better idea and put different kinds of magnets in there. But that just seems kind of silly. <laughs> I think yeah. it'd be great. I mean, just... is it so terrible to wear headphones <laughs> <laughs> or earbuds? Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> well, that's the thing. Like, I think a lot of this stuff um, comes from uh, the whole cyberpunk thing, which in mm-hmm. the 80s was really kind of a big movement in science fiction where yeah. people were talking about the integration of human and technology and, and kind of going off in these kind of fantastical directions. And I remember uh, Neuromancer is probably like the quintessential yeah. cyberpunk book. And yeah. it had stuff where people like, like there was one character who had lenses kind of installed over her eyes. So she always had like these sunglasses on and it would give her like different readings and stuff on there. So she had kind of like a heads up display all the time and stuff. And mm-hmm. there was other people with like bionic limbs and things like that. And everybody could, well, not everybody, but a lot of people could kind of jack straight into the internet. So they were kind of um, always plugged on. in. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it, they, it was, um, oh, I'm sorry, Doug. No, no, I was done. Yeah, yeah go ahead. You got me excited because I, I read the same books and like the um, yeah. the Gibson and uh, William Gibson and Neil Stevenson and uh, Philip yeah. K. Dick, you know, were kind of warning against this, I think. And that's the ironic part is I think all the people that are really into it <clears throat> are citing those authors as inspirations. When I think if you read their work carefully, you would see that they were like, no, this is going to screw everybody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, even to the point where I remember the diamond age, Neil Stevenson. Mm -hmm, And there's, mm -hmm. uh, I I don't know. I remember if this is from that book, but there was a prisoner who was like on, uh, you know, death row, but he was allowed to walk free because he was implanted with nanobots that would kill him if he did anything wrong. And Mm -hmm. so then you'd have these like prisoners walking around society and every once in a while, one of them would just blow up. Um, (laughs) But yeah, they, of course they, they played a lot with like, yeah, biotech, nanotech, all that kind of stuff, you know, um, synthetic DNA and those kind of ideas in the eighties. Um, you know, so a lot of this has been around for a while and I, I don't know if any of us really expected that it would go as far as it has gone. And maybe I'm being mm-hmm. naive. I thought it would like live in the realm of science fiction with some pretty crazy technological advances, but having seen in, you know, less than 20 years going from, you, you didn't even conceive of the idea of being able to touch a screen to the point where now you can't yeah. conceive of using a mouse that that transition alone and to the point where now we're speaking to our computers is happening quite fast and so a lot of this is no longer out of the realm you know mm-hmm. yeah well there and, was a... you also have the google glasses as mm-hmm. well that that reminds me yeah. of when you're saying about the lenses i mean it won't be long before there is some sort of technology whereby it's similar to a contact lens. Instead of wearing the glasses, you'd sim- simply put in the contact lens, and there will be some sort of uh, connection with, you know, with your voice or even with your thoughts, <laughs> with your intentions, and things like that. I, I mean, um, I think the technology is really going to kind of go that way very, very quickly. Yeah. Well, there was a man who lost his eye as a young child and in his eye socket he had a fake eye with a camera and a transmitter in it yeah and he could record and transmit video but he'd already <laughs> lost his eye 
I guess yeah. <laughs> he could just she put does. a plain non-camera eyeball, fake eyeball into his eye socket, but right. he took it one step further. I don't know yeah. what he's what the but purpose the thing was, was of the collecting the video. Yeah, exactly. Because so. the camera wasn't like hooked up to his brain or anything like that. No. So it wasn't sending him any information. It was just like having like a – it's like no different than having one of those like spy cameras in mm-hmm. your like – on your lapel or something like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. So it, it's kind of – yeah, it's it seemed kind of uh, – and it's funny too because I, reading about him, he, he actually like – you know, patented the technology and was was trying to like kind of interest people in it, and everybody was just kind of like, "Well, this is basically just a toy for people who have lost an eye, so it's not really yeah. <laughs> not a big market." Well, they, uh, this is also the world of uh, because I can and why not. You know, mm-hmm. a lot yeah. for a lot of people, that's the answer. It's really not even that much deeper than that. It's just because we can and it's cool. You know, yeah, like yeah, if I can have all the data about my daily life and like see it now granted some people will take that and analyze it and actually try to improve themselves mm-hmm. you know i know athletes who use technology to try to get personal records and make themselves better totally down for that but then i think it also crosses into a realm where um you do it just because it's cool and you're not actually using it you know so mm-hmm. it's weird like that that plays into that disconnect for me like how can we have more access to information but people are getting dumber mm-hmm. um maybe it's mm-hmm. because information itself has become entertainment you know so mm-hmm. it's not you're not actually taking it to learn something you're just taking it because it's cool like mm-hmm. you know i can see a graph about my blood pressure throughout the day oh neat no i'm not going to do anything <laughs> yeah. so. I, th- I tend to think that there's also like an aspect of um a disenchantment with human experience you know mm-hmm. i think people are generally so disconnected from one another and just from what it means to be human uh the further that we're moving towards this sort of technological society um we're moving away from our roots and you know we've covered several times on this show the psychological ill effects of that and the the health consequences of doing things like this but i think that um, many people are, are very much sort of disenchanted with with life, and uh, and I think it's it's almost like a get out clause. It's like mm. okay, th- I don't like to be a human being. You know, this is really hard. I have loads of responsibility. I don't want to take responsibility, and so um, I you know, if we can get machines to do that for us, then everything would be really yeah. good. <laughs> <laughs> and it just doesn't work that way. <laughs> but it's like people trying to get away from 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 the hardships of being being a human being. Yeah, they don't want to suffer. Yeah. 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 This might be a this might be a good time if you guys don't mind to go to that uh um that uh, Ray Kurzweil clip about Computronium. So just to I think it'll lead into what we're talking about. Um so it's like three and a half minutes. But just to set it up, uh Ray Kurzweil, he's one of the quote unquote thought leaders about like um, transhumanism and increasing the intelligence of the globe, you know, and all this kind of stuff. Um, Doesn't he so want to live forever? And then he wants to live. Yeah. Yeah. And then I saw, somehow meet with his dead father and live in paradise. I'm not sure about that, but I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> <laughs> I saw a, a lecture from him at the uh, university here uh, a number of years ago. And I remember him saying that he was perfectly happy to have, communication devices implanted in his head. That's what he wants and where he's going. So, you know, 
I don't mean to make him out to be the devil just because of that. Cause if you're a technologist, it sounds cool, you know, but he's, he's on a whole nother level, super deep into this stuff where they're talking about, uh, you know, pr- propagating our, our, our like kind of, uh, united consciousness throughout the universe. So that, that's what this clip is about. And, um, when I started using computers, there are only about a dozen computers in all of New York City. Now we all carry multiple computers in our pockets, on our belts. But computation is a lot more pervasive than these gadgets we carry around. Take this rock, for example. It doesn't look like it's doing very much, but it has trillions of trillions of atoms and molecules in here. They're all moving around, bouncing against each other at incredibly high speeds. That's computation. That's not very useful today. It's organized kind of randomly. We can't communicate with it very well. But we're going to change that. We're going to reorganize the vast amount of computation in this rock to make it useful. And it won't just be raw computation. We'll infuse it with exquisitely intelligent software vastly greater than our intelligence today. And with all the knowledge of the human machine civilization, this rock is going to be a trillion, trillion times more powerful than all biological human brains today. This is going to be quite a valuable rock. We call matter and energy reorganized in this way, computronium. We're going to reach these limits late in this century. And at that time, we're going to turn many of the rocks and other stuff suitable for computation into computronium. And so, to keep the expansion of our intelligence going, we will then need to spread out to the rest of the universe, turning some portion of it into computronium. How fast can we do this? That depends on whether or not we can transcend or otherwise get around the speed of light as a limit. There are suggestions that there may be subtle ways of doing this. One possibility is to send intelligent nanobots through wormholes, which are basically shortcuts to apparently faraway places through other spatial dimensions beyond the three we're familiar with. Wormholes through space appear to be consistent with our understanding of physics. If it is indeed feasible to either find or build such wormholes, our intelligence will be so great that we'll be capable of engineering these shortcuts to reach other parts of the universe in brief periods of time. In that case, we could infuse the universe with our intelligence rather quickly. It would require only another century, that is, by the end of the 22nd century, to saturate the universe with computronium. On the other hand, if we can't get around the speed of light, it'll take a lot longer. But in either case, expanding our intelligence throughout the universe is our ultimate destiny. Cosmologists today argue about whether the universe will die in fire or ice. Fire means a big hot crunch, basically the opposite of the Big Bang. Ice means stars flying apart, eventually dying out. Both of these views of cosmology assume that intelligence has nothing to do with it. That intelligence is just a bit of entertaining froth that dances in and out of the dumb celestial forces that rule the universe. But this perspective ignores the law of accelerating returns. As a result of the exponential expansion of our knowledge and skill, the universe will ultimately be infused with computronium and with the vast intelligence of our human machine civilization. So the universe will wake up 
and we will intelligently decide its fate. And there you go. <laughs> what a bunch of... We'll bring some new meaning to say. the idea of that pet rock back in the day. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Maybe they awesome. were really on to something. Yeah. So, so what does that mean in layman's terms? He's going to uh, send rocks out into the universe yeah, that contain create, information and intelligence? Yeah, I think what they're saying is they're going to create an element uh, which can, you know, like you would think of nanobots, organ- self-organize and, and be computational. But what got, you know, and then basically we'll, we'll, we'll take that material, whatever it might be, out into the universe so that we can then, you know... I guess wirelessly communicate with everything everywhere, and at that point, then, then we will decide. How does he know something like that isn't already out in the universe? Exactly. That's the kicker. That's the kicker. There's so and I many think, assumptions there. It's just yeah. It, it, it he seems of, so sure of himself. I just want to exactly. smack him. Yeah. Well, and to be fair, even to a guy like that, that's an idea that's hard to explain in three and a half minutes. Mm-hmm. You know, so I, I would honestly be very curious to give him like a couple hours to tell me what he really thinks about that and like where he's coming from. I'd be curious. I'm not saying I agree with him, but uh, where where it disconnected for me was right in the beginning when he held up the rock and he said, you know, this is there's computational power in here, um, but it's not very well organized and we can't communicate it with very well, you know. And I, I think that that is – so there's this weird juxtaposition here of uh, self-hatred and arrogance, mm-hmm. which I have, <clears throat> like, I have plenty of experience with, like, uh, religious thought patterns, you know, dogmatic religion. And that speaks to me from that point where you have two opposing views of yourself. You're simultaneously worthless and worth everything, mm-hmm. which is a very interesting concept. But if you're not psychologically set to, to handle it, it, it can it can throw you for a loop. So I think what's happening here is that we're he's saying we're not we're not good enough or we're not like worthy or even not able to reach our full potential through the tools and the environment that we have here. So we're gonna we're gonna go and use our intelligence to expand out into this world. And then where it transitions from that from lack of self worth into arrogance is I'm just gonna mold this reality to what I want it to be. I mean he said it right at the end. Our you know, kind of Borg mind or whatever will decide the fate of the universe. And that <laughs> is like, I don't know about like, you know, like I said earlier, I think playing God, you know, like you can play with that terminology. But when you're talking about deciding the fate of the universe, I think you lost it a little bit. Yeah. Who is he to decide yeah. what the universe yeah. needs? Right. Exactly. Or even to say that we would want to, you know, mm-hmm. because he's saying we, yeah. he's saying this is going to happen and everybody is going to be swept along with the technologist in the transhumanist movement. Um, I also suspect that he would want to be at the helm of this, and there are sure. certain yeah. people that he would not want to be a part. Of yeah. And yeah, you know, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, whether or not this, I, I personally think we blow ourselves up before anything like that happened. Yeah. You know. Yeah. yeah because yeah. the the small number of people who are intelligent enough to create something like that, you know, are like even if they were to go in that direction and try to work that out. Um, you know, even now you can see our society is fighting with technology. Uh, we have technology to the level of like pure science fiction. It really seems that way. You, you can, you can live in such a way that you're like in a science fiction movie. Um, but simultaneously good 80% of the world is on fire, you know? Yeah. So there's a juxtaposition here and the, the fire I think is going to overtake any of the, uh, 
the other parts personally. I actually don't think so highly of those percentage of people who actually think that they could do something like that. Like I I think, I think basically it's like, it's, it's a fundamental ignorance of being like of who we are, where we are, what our purpose is, all that kind of stuff. It's like this, it's just like ego has taken over. And, you know, I think it really comes out of kind of a materialist atheist type of perspective on things. And I think that these people are just completely ignorant and are just having, you know, wiseacring to the nth degree and and Mm -hmm. basically like just coming up with these absolutely wild ideas that really have no basis in reality. That's how I see it anyway. Yeah. It's interesting that you said it's atheist because I guess um, on the surface it is atheistic, but I think there's also an element of, like like it was said before this this uh religious um sort of um uh, how would you describe it I, yeah religious fervor whereby they, they are seeking it's it's uh, it's almost authoritarian follower type of thing whereby they're seeking to um offer all uh i guess power all free will to some higher to some higher thing um computer yeah, and it's a computer. It replaces God. Yeah, so <laughs> yeah, exactly. it, it just replaces Allah, re- replaces God in Christianity, what, whatever. It's the same sort of dynamic that seems to be at play. But at the same time, the people who, the the, the really rich um, technocrat type of individuals who are trying to push this forward, it seems like there's there's a real struggle for, for power going on there. It's like mm-hmm. the ultimate form of power if they can somehow harness this m- massive bald brain thing. Like uh, like Tiff said, there's there's got to be some of those guys who kind of want to be able to, to have a say in how that works. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, I could imagine that their idea of it, at least some of them, probably think that there is going to be some sort of hierarchy in this and that they are going <laughs> to have control over yeah. the... The whole human consciousness, you know, and it's just, it just well, kind of reeks, it smells fishy. <laughs> there was actually um, a video that was called The Singularity is Bullshit. And it was basically, I mean, the singularity, the idea behind the singularity is that we will reach a level of technological progress, mainly through like AI, where the technology kind of takes over and starts improving itself. So this mm-hmm. kind of doesn't require human input anymore. So it's it's like it reaches this kind of zenith point where we no longer are kind of teaching this thing anything. It has learned to start teaching itself, and it kind of takes over, and it's going to be the savior of humanity and all this other kind of stuff, and we're going to upload our consciousness to this supercomputer. And it is a very religious kind of idea. You know, it's kind of like instead of like Jesus is my savior and I don't have to fear death because there's a place for me in heaven, it's kind of like computer is my savior and i don't have to fear death because i can upload my consciousness to the supercomputer it's mm-hmm. kind of like really it, it, it's kind of like it comes from this sort of materialist atheist kind of idea but it's almost like the 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 religious impulse is still there and it's just coming manifesting out in a different way mm-hmm. yeah I, guess, I don't know if that makes sense well can we even say that computers <laughs> are intelligent they have a lot of data and a lot of facts mm-hmm. that they can glean from the internet or wherever, but isn't intelligence something different? Doesn't it require like uh, experience work? 
you know, trying things sure. out for yourself. Can yeah, computers well, do that? I mean, I'm sure it's not so. the same as human intelligence. Like there was a, some things I read about people who had brain injuries and their emotional centers were kind of knocked out and they could not make rational decisions. Like all of their decisions were crap pretty much without their emotions and computers don't have emotions. And these transhumanists are going to want to put their lives into the hands of a being, a computer being that can't really make rational decisions. Well, not yeah. only that, they, it's not only their their lives or, you know, themselves into this being. They want to put mm-hmm. everyone else into it as well. That's this, that's a scary thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and it's different. And the thing they're... is that that... <clears throat> oh, sorry, Doug. Go ahead, Jonathan. Oh, just that there's different camps like we talked about. There are some people, I think, who say this is happening, you know, basically just uh, we're just pointing out that it's happening and it's going to happen to everybody kind of fatalist like this is where we're going other people saying this is where we should go so we're going to steer it this way but we want everybody to be one you know so it's almost like the, the new age movement a little bit um and then i think on that you know not just these three options but then another kind of class would be people who are looking to steer it and control it like elliot was talking about so i don't know if we mm-hmm. can ever say that they think this you know um in this regard because everybody yeah okay there's it. nuance there of course that's all I'm saying. Yeah, but it, the whole uploading consciousness thing, I think, is 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 fundamentally flawed. Mm. Like basically, the idea is that we will get you know our computers to the point where they can mimic a human brain, and then we can kind of upload all the data in our brains onto a computer, and then we'll be on the computer. But to me, there's like a fundamentally missing step there. I mean, wouldn't that be more like a clone than it would be kind of uploading your consciousness? Like yeah. it's kind of like just taking a copy of all the data in your brain and putting it on there, and then it's like, and then I'll live forever. And it's like, well, it's it's a clone of your brain is living forever, but it's it's not really you. Like yeah. I don't know where the step is where it's kind of like you suddenly step into this area. Like I think there's there's it seems to be a major step that is kind of missing. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe but, I don't but, understand it entirely. What what it seems like. Is that is that it, this this stems from this highly materialistic perspective, whereby people believe that they are their neurons, that they are their brains, and that you know we know from all of the evidence and even just frank human experience that you are not necessarily just your brain. But that that's that's the the theory or that's the uh, narrative that is really common in all aspects of science is that we are just essentially a product of the biology that 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 goes on you know i don't mm. think they understand really or if anybody truly understands the basic biology of the brain because our our thoughts and experiences and our knowledge physically within our brain or is our brain just an interface and we pull knowledge from somewhere in the universe i mean yeah i'm more in line with the second one i think rupert sheldrake talks about that mm-hmm. how like kind of the central nervous system is actually more like an antenna yeah that kind of picks up on this sort of non-local um i don't know if you can even call it data it's kind of like knowledge mm-hmm. i don't know sure 
So how, how, if that's the case and knowledge isn't physically in our brains, how can it be physically uploaded into a computer? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, that's why it's based off of, I mean, the whole thing is based off of a worldview and interpretation of how things are. Yeah. Hmm. I I wonder if like, uh, so I think you guys and our listeners are familiar with Terrence McKenna. Um, and one of the things that he talked about that I thought personally was very interesting was he called it the strange attractor at the end of time and that there was this thing that he didn't know what it was and it, it, it was some kind of a force or an event or something that was so massive and so drastic for humanity that it was essentially kind of like a, like a well, like a gravitational well in time and that we were being pulled through time towards this event. Um, and it, I, I think that's a really fascinating idea. And he broke down the whole like, yeah, 2012 and, you know, yeah, all these people are saying this is going to happen or the singularity is going to happen. But what he was really saying is just something that we don't understand that uh, <clears throat> that everybody kind of has a clue about because of our connected minds, you know, our, our, our connected environment. Um, and we get this kind of like sense of intuition about what's going to happen as a as a species. Um, and I wonder if given that hypothesis that, uh, you know, if like the transhumanists and the new age folks and everybody else isn't interpreting what they feel about this thing mm-hmm. as, as what they want, you know, so for the transhumanists, it's, it's uploading your consciousness into a computer network. And for new age folks, it's, uh, you know, enveloping the planet in light and everybody starts to sing in the same key, you know, it's all, <clears throat> it's kind of similar. <laughs> ideas about something massive, um, basically. I, I think that's kind of an interesting idea. That it, it, um, it's For me, it, when I think about it, it allows me to think more in terms of like, if everybody's interpreting one thing as all these different things, then what are the connecting elements of that? And, uh, hmm. you know, I don't know. That, I, haven't, I haven't really gone through that too hard. <laughs> the connecting elements part. <laughs> But I think it has something to do with like <clears throat> our dissatisfaction with our state of life, right? Elliot, you had brought that up earlier that, you know, that people have, uh, are dissatisfied, uh, with what they think of themselves as, you know, not necessarily with what we are, but what we, what we think we are. And that was why I wanted to play that, that clip from Kurzweil because that plays into that dissatisfaction. I think, um, you can frame it in a sense that we're just exploring our intelligence and inventing as many things as we possibly can and just blossoming, you know, as humans. Um, when in reality it's, it's a dissatisfaction with learning the most you can about what we have, mm-hmm. you know, the plan, mm-hmm. and I, I guess I can't prove this, but you know, in, in my mind, the planet itself is a very hyper intelligent computer. Uh, and we're mm-hmm. part of that, mm-hmm. you know, we're on the motherboard, so to speak. And, uh, you know, it's, it sounds pretty airy fairy, but I think that there are ways that are not airy fairy to connect with that system and, and, and mm-hmm. utilize it, you know, and take advantage of your place within it. Um, but this idea is abandoning that because that, I don't think that this group, like just call them transhumanists. I don't think that they think that that's a legitimate idea, you know, because yeah. matter is matter is matter. Trees are trees. The planet is just a rock and we are the ones who make the intelligent networks. Yeah. So, so in yeah. a way, I mean, they are trying to escape, or they have this secret wish to avoid death and avoid the lessons of living in on the earth or 
or in human bodies and all the suffering that that entails and they just want to get away from it. Mm-hmm. It kind of seems that way. Maybe. It's kind of yeah. like the ultimate the ultimate goal for these people is to just live in a virtual reality simulation where all their dreams come true. They don't have to work for anything. They don't suffer for anything. Everything is immediately accessible. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's like, it, it, yeah, and it, it's basically anti-life, more or less. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, because what are you going to do? I mean, if you can't... Uh, I don't know how to say this. If you can't use your body to interact with the world and gain, you know, satisfaction, it doesn't have to be pleasure, but just satisfaction from that, you know, then what are you, what are you going to do with your time? If, mm-hmm. if I can, <clears throat> if I can walk into my house and the, the house knows the temperature that I want it to be and that I want to have chicken for dinner, you know, and that my, I want to do my laundry at eight o'clock you know, and all these things are like, it's all connected and it's doing it for me, then what am I doing with my time? Uh, and, and mm-hmm. I guess if I'm, if I'm blunt about it, you know, am I, am I smart enough to deserve that much free time? You know, like, <laughs> am I going to actually do anything with it? <clears throat> uh, yeah. because, we, you know, because when you're using your body to interact with the world, like instead of, you know, pre-programming the dishwasher to start actually washing the dishes, you gain a different level of, of experience and knowledge from that. I think, and that's, I think what people let go, they don't realize that all the cool stuff is taking the value out of life. Hmm. Well, yeah, but those, it's kind of like the same sort of arguments from automation as well, right? Like when they're talking about, Oh yeah, robots are going to replace all of us. So we don't have to do any work anymore. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like I've read dystopian science fiction where they talk about how, there was an end of work and it was a horrible thing because suddenly people had no value to their life whatsoever. There was nothing to accomplish. Like everything was just done for you. You know, everything was manufactured that was needed. Like there was absolutely no purpose whatsoever. And like, it was one, like a crisis point for this civilization that had to kind of figure out, well, what the hell do we do now? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, It seems like that is how you build a, a functional human being. You know, that's a very fundamental part of human existence is having to to work. I mean, so we take this extreme example of what we're talking about, but then water it down and put it into sort of real life terms and try to find real life examples of how that might affect a human being. So let's take um, an extraordinarily spoiled child. Okay, they get everything that they want. They don't have to do any work, no laundry. Um, they get all of their requests met, yeah? And what kind of person does that build? You know, they go out through, you know, they grow up Mm. to be an entitled narcissist. (laughs) And, you know, if, if if you live in a world where you don't have to work, you don't have to commit to anything, then that, that is, that is what is gonna happen, you know? (laughs) But to, but a lot, way worse <laughs> if you can I mean, imagine we, that. we can see that <laughs> yeah. already with the welfare state <laughs> yeah people you know, the become completely dependent yeah completely dependent on the government for their own well-being and it just saps the life right out of them and they have no purpose and technology too yeah. like mm-hmm. we've talked about in past shows yeah. with people not knowing how to read a map anymore or memorize phone numbers or Things that you take for granted, in a sense. Yeah, what well, good old you be? As common sense. Yeah. 
It'll just be a yeah. meat sack, a worthless meat sack <laughs> with cybernetic I think limbs. if the uh, <laughs> if if the the worldwide global network ever went down, like we would have a whole lot of useless people just kind of falling over dead mm-hmm. because nobody nobody knows how to do anything. Yeah, that's a that's a good point. I mean, <clears throat> I think that the people that have knowledge about how to operate in the world are are now called preppers, right? <laughs> yeah. 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 Yeah, and they're derided. Yeah. Well, well, do we want to play the the clip? Yeah. 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 Okay. The bullshit clip. (laughs) (laughs) The singularity is a concept, a technological tipping point. It's a proposed era in which the intelligence of humanity will become more and more non-biological and trillions of times more powerful. The singularity is not only a point in time where we will have reverse engineered the human brain and made machines as intelligent and self-aware as we are, but it's also an age where we will eventually transcend our physical biological form. Humanity will become one with machines, or so they say. Sound like science fiction? Well, based on exponential speed of which computing systems, software, and hardware are advancing right now, it's rational to project that we're going to have machines millions of times more powerful than they are right now in just a few decades. But as for the more fantastical claims of our human-machine hybridized future, I'm less convinced. The singularity is, in my view, bullshit for several reasons. According to inventor, author, and futurist Ray Kurzweil, computers will increase a billion-fold in price-performance ratio in just 25 years. Kurzweil may be more than qualified to predict what will happen technologically in a few decades. Hell, anyone can make a reasonably accurate guess as to how fast computers will be in two decades or more. But he's not qualified to predict how human beings will integrate that technology into their lives. He seems to hold this unrealistically positive vision that nothing will go wrong. People will have microchips inserted into their brains. We'll live like happy little Borgs all connected to a central computing mainframe. Your consciousness will be backed up to the cloud. You'll never die and you'll live forever in a virtual holodeck style fantasy world for entertainment. Firstly, do I even need to get started on how unattractive the prospect of living with the internet in my head sounds? I can just see people with glazed over expressions on their faces drooling on trains and buses as they check their emails or update their social media networks. I have no intention of uploading my thoughts to the cloud, thanks very much. If you think social justice thought police are bad right now, imagine how bad it'll be when they can hack your mind. Losing my sense of individuality and becoming one with a collective hive mind is not my idea of a fun existence. What about all the guinea pigs who'll have to be sacrificed in the name of this technological progress? I see mass lobotomies in the offing and rampant brain damage. I mean, people can already suffer ADHD, disassociative and personality disorders from excessive mobile phone and computer usage right now. How bad will things be when we overtax our human brains with artificial neural circuitry and man-made electronics in the future? Might it be possible to download computer viruses into our brains that would disable us or have our personalities hacked, stolen, or erased? 
This is the thing about Kurtzfeld. He doesn't seem to focus on the negative impacts that personal mobile computing has brought about. Sure, smartphones and tablets have given us enormous benefits, but we can't ignore the fact that the vast majority of their users are addicted to them or made desperately narcissistic by the usage of vapid social networks. We can all make reasonably good predictions as to the types of technologies we will use in the future, but we cannot predict all the ways our minds will react to them or how they might adapt to them. When Kurtzweil is challenged on his beliefs, he often plays the misunderstood genius card. In an interview, he said, It's taken me a while to get my mental and emotional arms around the dramatic implications of what I see for the future. So with people who have never heard ideas along these lines, they hear about it for the first time and they have some superficial reaction. Really, I see myself there some decades ago and realize it's a long path to actually get comfortable with where the future's headed. In other words, he believes his thinking is decades ahead of most people's when it comes to this issue. This is the height of hubris and incredibly condescending, considering how there's genuinely nothing new about the singularity concept. Lots of science fiction movies and TV shows and books have covered such subjects for decades already. Sam Harris has expressed his skepticism of the singularity, labeling it science-enabled religion. I think this is a fairly accurate summary, although I'd go one step further and call it IT-based magic. Cutting through all of the tech speak and getting straight to the underlining truth here, the singularity is nothing more than a slightly more sophisticated take on our powerful need to deny the reality of death and believe in an afterlife. I can never die because I believe in Jesus Christ and he has a place for me in heaven forever and ever so death is meaningless. I can never die because I believe in the singularity and it has a place for me in the cloud forever and ever so death is meaningless. The idea that we'll become these super powerful beings enhanced by machines and living in real and imagined worlds beyond our comprehension sounds an awful lot like the belief that we become mythological angels or souls when we die and go to heaven. This is the reason fans of the singularity become quite hostile when you even tacitly challenge their belief because it is held with the same reverence as religious belief. I actually think we're headed for a technological regression, if anything. Our culture is so overly saturated with technology in our lives, we're dependent on the web for all of our answers, we cannot disconnect ourselves from our smartphones, and we feel the tug to check and update social media on a second-by-second -second basis. But when I tell people how I downgraded from a smartphone, Though they initially react with surprise or bemusement, they eventually come around and remark on how much they agree with the invasive nature of consumer technology. It's rare that I meet a Facebook user who actually wants to be on Facebook. It's rare that I meet a smartphone user who truly loves their smartphone. We're busier and more stressed than ever before and technology is no longer being treated as a tool to get work done. It's keeping us busy. It's keeping us overstimulated, overactive and distracted and it's messing up our sleep patterns. We're less engaged in social situations and face-to-face -face conversations and gradually psychological studies are revealing that these rectangular devices are more of a burden than a blessing. The amount of people pursuing mindfulness meditation, stress reduction therapies and seeking occupations outside of mainstream corporate life is growing at an alarming rate. So I think it's just a matter of time before people begin to shun the heavily marketed consumer technologies in favor of a simpler and healthier lifestyle. We'll still use technologies, we'll still be connected, but the pace of our lives will begin to slow as we reach a collective epiphany 
about how best to spend our time and our brain power. I think we can expect to see a return to naturalism and harmony with our humanity once again as we develop a more mature and equitable relationship with technology. Artificial general intelligence may be on the way, and hell, it may even destroy us all in some kind of Skynet-style Judgment Day nuclear war in the future, but humanity will likely coexist alongside technologies up until that point in our native form. I don't see us merging into cyborgs. I don't believe we have the knowledge or wisdom to screw around with the genetic blueprints of humanity, which are based on natural evolution, a system that goes back and has been refined for over 3.8 billion years. Nature knows what's best to put in our bodies, not some future Mengele-type doctor desperate to produce a generation of Frankensteins for corporate profit. I'm not convinced that blindly embracing technological progress is a good thing when we as a society never spend a single moment questioning where the hell that progress is leading us toward. Like a runaway freight train with an unknown destination, our goal should be to put the brakes on and carefully consider where we're headed and also to get a better understanding of our own psychological and biological needs. Arrogantly believing that we can now outdo nature and tamper with the delicate harmony of evolutionary biology sounds like we may be in for a humbling experience down the line when it all goes wrong. So guys, I'm curious as to your thoughts on the singularity. Do you believe that we will one day enter such an era? Are we headed for a cyborg future? Will the machines take over? Or will we become the machines, evolving technologically? Or will we head in the opposite direction? Maybe life will become more natural, more simple, and more harmonious with nature. That would be more desirable in my opinion. Thanks so much for watching this video guys. If you enjoyed it, please hit that like button and subscribe for more and I'll see you next time. Bye bye. Well, that was good. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. I uh I, f I feel like if I were in a conversation with that guy I would have disagreed with a few small points, but uh, overall mm -hmm. I I really like what he said. Oh, only about like where because now he's saying you know, he does say, in my opinion, I give him that. He's not telling everybody they need to go this way. But I think in his mind, a life, a simpler life was more valuable when that's not necessarily the case for everybody who doesn't also want or, you know, who doesn't want the uh, this vast explosion of technology. Like, I feel like that's kind of where I'm at. I'm like, <clears throat> I like electricity and running water and antibiotics, <laughs> you know, but I don't need to go so far. And it's like, I, I feel like maybe well, where we could, we could talk, we could have a conversation about how fast we're moving. Well, he but, didn't really say that it would, you know, that, that, you know, everybody would throw away their technology and go back to like living in caves and stuff like that. He was saying right. we would live side by side with technology, but that it would, we would kind of have a different value placed on it. I actually yeah. think that that maybe is a little bit too, too much of a rosy picture. I think that. <laughs> Most people are addicted to the technology the way he said that they are. And mm -hmm. I don't think anybody at this point, I think you would have a really tough time getting people to give up um, certain conveniences and even not conveniences. Like just imagine trying to take somebody's cell phone away. I, I think yeah. it'd be, it, it, it's, a, it's a tough sell. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I didn't mean to mischaracterize what he was saying. That's kind of where my mind mm -hmm. goes when I think about like <clears throat> when people talk about technological progress the, you know, because people are so binary, you're either anti-progress or a progress nut, you know, one way or the other. Yeah. So, but I do like what you said, you know, the idea that we would live side by side, um, like even my phone, you know, 
there are times, a lot of times where it's extremely useful, where I might need to do something or be out, you know, or, or be away from my office and I get a critical like work message. So that plays into like what I do for a living and how I support myself. So all that, you know, I'm interested in, but it, there definitely is a fine line for sure. Mm-hmm. We can go way too far. So do we think that the singularity will happen like he asked in the clip? Oh. <clears throat> not, not in that sense. I think he's right that, that, that we're, uh, that the, the futurists are ignoring human nature in a way, mm-hmm. you know, and they're, they, they're kind of saying like, well, everybody will just realize how smart we are and go along with it. <laughs> yeah. Um, it, I, I come back to the idea that I think that they are missing a fundamental understanding of, of what we are of human, of every, like on every level, like biology, spiritually everything i think i think they just don't have an understanding of that i think they're mm-hmm. they're a bunch of materialists who are you know smoking too much pot sure <laughs> i think that we have bigger things to worry about um, yeah yeah mm. yep. like versus you know if a computer is going to become smarter than a human you probably say that computers are smarter in quotation marks if you you know just think about the the amount of data that a computer can access in a, a short amount of time versus a human being. So you could say that computers are already smarter, but I think we have more to worry about and that there are elements, groups of people in this world who want things to go in a certain way. Like even if you just look at the SJW movement, that is, it's, they're trying to, Shape thought. Yeah. yeah. There you go. Shape thought. I, I liked what he said a lot about that. Like, could you imagine having SJWs in your head? Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No. Thought police. Yeah, yeah. that's, we yeah. need to resist that before we start worrying about computers <laughs> taking over the world. I mean, there's nutcases that are <clears throat> pretty much trying to take over the yeah, world. Or you could say that they have taken over the world and it's up to us to yeah. resist that. This it's is where because Jordan Peterson at one point said something about um, he was talking about hate speech, and I hope I'm kind of getting this right. But he said something along the lines of um, the people who will who will police hate speech are the absolute last people you want. Mm-hmm. And I think it's the same kind of thing with uh, with the idea that there would be people kind of thought police out there. They're going to be the last people you would want to be policing this sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> and I don't know if uh, I consider that computers are intelligent either. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like they, they do have yeah. a lot of data, but I mean, there's nothing in there to kind of deal with that data. Like, mm-hmm. I, I remember reading one example where it was kind of like, you can say water is wet and you can tell a computer that and it can be like, okay, water is wet. But it doesn't have any understanding of what that means. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. you know, wet is kind of like a subjective experience, right? It's like the wetness of water like you know you, you can't describe that to a computer in any way that it will ever actually understand what that is well it's so, tactile but, that was, yeah unless they can yeah. unless they uh interpret uh signals in such a way i mean you can there, there is uh tactile feedback uh you could hypothetically create a a machine that had five senses hypothetically yeah, i'm not I trying to be contrary but I, the the concept yeah. around it is i think yeah where you like they couldn't grasp it fully. It might say, 
the signals coming in through my artificial skin equal wet. Yeah. You know? Well, I can detect liquid. Right. You know? <laughs> yeah, there you it's, go. It's, it's yeah. kind of like the, the, the feeling of of wet, like feeling feeling like having wetness on your skin. You know, all of us can quite easily determine whether sitting here in this chair, I am wet or I am dry. Yeah. Like I, I get that. I can I can figure that out pretty easily. Whereas a computer, I mean, yeah, it might detect, oh, there is X amount of water molecules on my surface or something like that. But it's still not an experience of wetness. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm getting too philosophical. I don't know. <laughs> no, no, I think that's a good point. I, <clears throat> what... Uh, what we were talking about there with, um, you know, the idea that there are bigger problems in the world that made me think of something that, you know, obviously I, I could see a, a discussion where you would say, well, okay, what about all the people who are starving, you know, or all the people who are in areas of, of conflict because of the situation that's been made for them there. Um, and a lot of futurists or technologists would say, well, we're going to help these things, you know, we're going to help everybody come together and all that. And that's where I think like the rosy disconnect comes into play mm-hmm. where I think is a really interesting kind of power play going on right now is with, uh, between like Kurzweil and the futurist movement and people like Elon Musk, who, <clears throat> you know, I know our listeners probably have varied opinions about Musk. I personally think he's very interesting. Uh, having like, uh, listened to a lot of interviews with him and read some of the stuff that he's written. He wants to help people. He wants to help make, the world a better place and not necessarily escape it. So like an example is oil, like he's working on electric power. Now you could argue like lithium batteries, you know, are damaging and all of that. But the, the impetus I think is to like, let's get off oil first. And now I don't know if anybody watched, this is kind of obscure, but Tesla is releasing a new semi truck um, that has independent engines for each axle and it's allegedly uncrashable. Um, and so, and it can go very, very long on a single charge. And so if you look at it in a certain way, you can see like he just pretty much instantly revolutionized the entire transport industry, making it safer for drivers, less costly, all that kind of stuff. And, you know, now they're moving into other areas. Um, so there's the argument. So I'm, I'm trying not to get lost in my train of thought here. There, it, like everybody knows Elon Musk wants to go to Mars and wants to put people on Mars. And then there's the argument that like, before we put a man on Mars, let's put a man in an apartment. I don't know if you've ever heard that phrase, but <laughs> I think that's really good. But I think that Musk, his intent is being like misinterpreted widely the way it would be if you, you know, you're a single person talking to the media, talking to billions of people. I think he wants to help everybody, but help us here with the tools that we have and make this place better and safer and more able to have a good quality of life. And that to me is a very interesting juxtaposition with the transhumanist movement, which is saying, take us out of here, mm-hmm. out of what we have, you know? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I don't uh, know if there's like, I guess I, I feel like behind the scenes, there's kind of a power play going on between those two kind of thought um, groups. The question is, do we trust Elon Musk to be our savior and take us into uh, like a, a, a direction. You know what I mean? He wants to fix problems, but has he cleaned his room? Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, <clears throat> no, I can't say that I trust him, but he's doing interesting things, you know, like, uh, so that's where that disconnect comes or I'm saying the word disconnect too much without saying what I mean. Uh, <laughs> 
the saying that I, I don't trust him, but he is obviously highly skilled and very intelligent and is doing things that seem to, though they can be interpreted in different ways, to be very beneficial for humanity. So <clears throat> while not trusting him to be my savior, uh, I would get one of his cars. <laughs> you know? <laughs> um, yeah, okay, fair enough. I guess yeah. my... my... My problem, I think, is uh, it comes in, and maybe I've just watched too much Jordan Peterson videos, but um, that these, you know, the things, the problems that he's trying to solve are incredibly complex. Yeah. And, you know, to every carpenter, everything looks like a nail, right? So he's kind of like, well, if we just create better technology, then all these things are going to, you know, we're going to solve all these problems. And I just don't, I don't know that I trust his thinking on that, that level. I, mm -hmm. I don't know. Like, maybe, maybe he is a super genius and he has this all figured out, but... I kind of doubt it. Mm -hmm. Well, that's where I think, yeah, he's going into like one at a time. Instead of saying this is going to solve all these problems or let's solve all these problems, it's like let's look at this one first and solve that one. Um, mm -hmm. So that's that's where I think it's it's kind of interesting. But he's also, you know, incredibly like stratospherically wealthy person, and and we don't know what those people get up to, you know. <laughs> So. And and since yeah. this is the health and wellness show as well, I, I I just want to point out that none of these guys seem to be talking about EMFs. Yeah, like is, yeah. is the human being even gonna make it? Because we're bombarded <laughs> with all of this shit basically, yeah. and it really messes it's up true. with our physiology. So the question is, unless you can find a way to create technology in a way that is not at odds with the way that our human body works then yeah. Yeah. I don't know how they're going to come up with any of this stuff. You know, That's if they point. haven't done that rocks already... With computers. Yeah, no, but seriously, if they haven't done that already, then they're going to have to scrap all of their ideas and come up with a completely new way of creating a non-dirty form of electricity, you know? And I don't see that, mm. that being done anywhere. Um, well, that there's will a couple just be of... the human battery. <laughs> yeah. Like in the matrix. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Well, no, that is that is the uh, the the contradiction there, right, Elliot? Because uh, one, of, like, with using Musk as an example and pulling back from my like, he's this like glowing savior. I don't think that. Like, for instance, the lithium thing. Their lithium mines are extremely damaging, um, and we're getting more and more and more lithium batteries. They're in everything, you know. And I mean, if you want to make some money, invest in lithium stock right now. But you know, otherwise, it's it's just as bad as strip mining, sulfide mining, all these other things. So is it really making anything better? And then uh, with the Wi-Fi thing, one of Musk's uh, new initiatives is to is basically free planet-wide internet for everyone. Now that's a very right. egalitarian. It's an egalitarian thought, but it's uh, you know it involves a, a really staggering amount of EMF. So well, that cool guy has one option. <laughs> Yeah. Sounds dumb. See, like, how I mean, can yeah. you opt out of that? <laughs> you don't well, have you to be a genius to know that it. that yeah. stuff is not good. <laughs> yeah. Like, that, you, if you don't take that into consideration, you're not a genius. The guy's mm. stupid. If he thinks that you can, <laughs> yeah. if you can implement Wi-Fi on the, on, on the whole of the planet and not destroy the human species, the guy is yeah. stupid. Don't care what credentials there. he has. <laughs> <laughs> I'm with you there. I mean, I, I hope that, you know, because we don't know like what it entails. Like that's what I'm saying. Are they going to do this in some way that is somehow, you know, cooperative with human physiology or not? Probably not. Probably no. not. So maybe that's, maybe that's the singularity. We try to get worldwide internet and just melt everything. <laughs> what good is worldwide Wi-Fi going to do for everybody? I mean, 
if you're in a hut somewhere starving because of a drought, (laughs) I mean, (laughs) the Wi-Fi is not going to cure that drought. It's not going to give you anything to eat. No. (laughs) No, You can look up the reasons why you're starving, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Or post uh, post uh, updates. Pictures of water. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> water is wet. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I mean, <clears throat> one of the things it's interesting to hear. Like, so Kurzweil is saying that in uh, what did he say? Three three generations, or was it three decades? That was it. Twenty forty five or yeah. something. Yeah. That the yeah. Um, that the the computational power will be like billion t- uh, billions of times greater. Um, so along with that, uh, one of the things that Musk has said is that in 20 years, uh, this, the steering wheel will be a novelty, just like, like the horse, you know, or like the, the car itself will be a novelty because we'll have modes of transport that are completely autonomous. Um, so that's, that's interesting, but that's way less dramatic than billion times more computational power. Mm. I think, mm. I think saying like, oh, the steering wheel is going to be a novelty in 20 years versus, you know, the singularity is going to happen in 20 years uh, are two very different ideas. So I, I, I would my point, my point that I'm trying to get to is that all of these people are like blustering and making predictions because that's where they are and who they are. Mm-hmm. When you reach that sort of a position in society, people expect you to, to say, you know, to give your opinions and to be a, a thought leader, quote unquote. Um, so I think they're just doing that because that's where they find themselves. And we have absolutely no idea where all this stuff is going to go. And most likely we're going to be destroyed by the natural cycle of things mm-hmm. before any of this happens. Yeah. You know, I think. Yeah. Cause there are forces that, that play. That's what cracks me up. I'm sorry about Kurzweil's whole thing about shaping the, uh, the destiny of the universe. You know, like when you figure out how to move a meteor out of the way, let me know. Is kind of how like, <laughs> yeah. then we can talk about that. Yeah. And he's also assuming there is no intelligence in the universe. Mm-hmm. Right. It requires yeah. Yeah. humanity That's a good point. to come and save it. You know? <laughs> like, well, I didn't even we're think of that. Like human intelligence? No. <laughs> <It's> hilarious. <Yeah. laughs> no, no, we're good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, <clears throat> if you really want to go blue sky with it, that's another option is some, uh, some, you know, technologically advanced uh, alien civilization sees what we're doing and is like, oh, shit, and then just blows the planet up. Yeah, that's exactly. what had to happen, you know. <laughs> yeah. We don't need their computronium. <laughs> yeah, exactly. How stupid yeah. is that? Computronium? Come on. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, do we have any morals for today? Any concluding <laughs> thoughts? Unplug. Yeah, you're a human being. Get used to it. Not a human doing. Yeah. Resist uh, the rumba. <laughs> Vacuum yourself. Yeah. <laughs> Go hug a tree. Yeah. Mm. I mean it. As, as, I mean it. Put your arms around a tree. <laughs> as as much as I'd, I'd like to uh, completely disconnect from technology unfortunately i think to exist in this world you have to be connected somewhat now that doesn't mean that you have to have a smartphone or anything mm. but 
you don't necessarily I don't think that you necessarily have to completely reject everything and mm-hmm. fight against it and I think there are um, while there is a load of um, technological sort of advances and different gadgets and things that are really probably quite harmful for both our uh, physiological and psychological well-being. Uh, I think there are some tools also that we can sort of use. Um, for instance, the internet, you know, we all read SART. We, we share articles, we spread information, and we learn a lot more than we would have without the internet. So yeah. that's kind of a cool thing, you know. And, and I like <laughs> the internet. I yeah, don't want the internet to go away. That's how we're all talking together and doing this show right now. I mean, the internet is fantastic. Yeah. Life without videos. I don't want to think about it. (laughs) (laughs) I'd be perfectly happy if uh, Facebook went away, honestly. That's kind of a cliche thing to say, but we really can do without it. We have other things. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. For, For people who are sick as well... I think uh, pacemakers, if you need a pacemaker, that's probably cool. <laughs> but, there's, yeah. but there's also some, some cool technology. Like uh, there's um, there's like the Fitbit and all that sort of stuff. And I think that's – there's been some studies actually shown that the EMF coming off that is pretty bad. But I think the IDM one is actually sick. They try all of these different things and then um, – and they can't, like, work anything out further. So they, they have all the answers, or they think they have all the answers that they can get from reading books and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but they want sort of real-time data. I think there are some alternatives which have been shown to sort of have much less of an impact on on our bodies in terms of EMF and detrimental effects. But there are some products which can kind of provide people with insight into different things like heart rate variability I know there's a lot of research on that, which has highlighted things that people don't necessarily know. So, for instance, um, just something like foods. If someone tries an elimination diet, they try food testing and everything like that, but they're still getting horrible symptoms, then like a heart rate variability monitor can actually measure whether a food evokes a stress response in someone. And so they can actually identify a triggering food or a triggering event or something like that and identify, like, whether it's having a stressful effect on their body or not. And there's, I know there's a couple of practitioners, one of my lecturers, actually, he specializes in this. So he uses this with all of his clients, and he's actually had great results in just helping them to identify stress uh, just as a temporary measure to identify the stressful aspects of their life and so that they can change that. And so I think as a tool, we can use different types of technology, but only as a tool and not to become reliant on that. Mm-hmm. You know, it's yeah. like the internet, use it as a tool, use it to read, don't use it to surf, you know, don't use it just to dissociate, you know, have your aim and have it grounded in reality and then venture out of reality into technology you know, sporadically or with the aim of using it to benefit yourself in the, the, the lives oh. of others in reality. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well said. Yeah. I mean, I think we should wrap on that. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly. <laughs> <clears throat> so cool. let's go ahead and say it. thanks everybody for tuning in. 
appreciate the people in our chat room and uh, for you guys participating. Be sure to check out the SOT Radio Show on Sunday at noon Eastern time, and uh, we will be back next week with a new topic. Okay. Bye. Bye-bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.